We are in this little series thinking about our vision for spiritual growth. We are talking a lot about our roadmap, this document we've created for our children from birth through high school to say, hey, we hope that if you're here with us, this is the path your faith will take. And here are some mile markers we want to encourage and hope that you will celebrate in that journey. Uh, And uh, the roadmap that we've designed is divided into five categories, and we've begun talking about those in worship together. So a couple weeks ago, I talked about experiences. Last week, Dan preached to us on relationships. This morning, we're going to talk about biblical knowledge. Uh, and, And one big idea throughout this series, even though our roadmap is for kids, it's not just for kids, right? And so we hope you'll be asking yourself again and again as you reflect on this uh, idea of spiritual growth, where am I and where am I going, right? What's next for me on this, on this journey with Christ? Uh, in your bulletin, there's a little insert that has a, a list of our goals for this topic, okay, for biblical knowledge. So um, as you're asking that question, you can look at this and say, hey, where am I and, and where do I want to go? Um, But I want you to look on the other side of the map for a minute. It's got these four road signs, and I'm going to read one to you about biblical knowledge um, because I think this is really good stuff. We believe the Bible is God's Word. The Bible is God's story of love and redemption and gives us guidance and direction. God uses Scripture to speak to our lives today. Regularly reading Scripture, both in community and independently, gives us better knowledge and understanding of who God is what the kingdom of God is, and what our role in God's kingdom should be. That's actually a pretty good summary, right, of of this thing we call the Bible. So I want to talk a little more about that this morning, and I want to begin by thinking about what the Bible is and maybe particularly what the Bible isn't. I think we get confused a little bit when we talk about the Bible as the Word of God, what that means. So let me tell you what the Bible isn't. Uh, The Bible is not an almanac or an encyclopedia. It's not a book of facts that you can use as a reference tool to look up things when you have a question. It it has elements of that, right? But that's not all it is. Uh, The Bible is not a book that's designed as your own um, personal book of insights. It's not like your own little Jesus Ouija board um, that can tell you exactly what Jesus wants you to know today, though there are elements of that in it. The Bible is not just a good history book. It has um, intentions beyond just objectively reporting facts, though it does some of that. The Bible is not just a book uh, with a great story in it, though it has, as we often say, the greatest story ever told. Um, The the Bible is this um, really interesting, messy, confusing thing. It's got some rules, but it's not a rule book. It's got some prayers, but it's not a prayer book, right? Uh, And so, I think one of the critical tasks for us as the people of God is to recognize that the Bible is a little bit like, well, it's a little bit like ogres. Uh, And to explain what I mean by that, I'm going to ask Shrek and Donkey to explain what ogres are like. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Example? Example? Okay. Um, ogres are like onions. They stink? Yes. No. Oh, they make you cry? No. Oh, you leave them out in the sun, they get all brown, start sprouting little white hairs. No. Layers. Onions have layers. Ogres have layers. Onions have layers? You get it. We both have layers. (sighs) Oh, you both have layers. Oh. You know, not everybody likes onions. Cake. Everybody loves cakes. 
cakes have layers. I don't care what everyone likes. Ogres are not like cakes. You know what else everybody like? Parfait. Have you ever met a person you say, hey, let's get some parfait. This I don't know, I don't like no parfait. Parfaits are delicious. No! You dense, irritating, miniature beast of burden. Ogres are like onions. End of story. Bye-bye. See you later. Parfaits may be the most delicious thing on the whole planet. <laughs> okay. Uh, so the Bible is like onions. Uh, I don't know if it's like cakes, and I don't really like parfaits, but onions I can work with. Um, and what we mean by that is it, it has these layers of meaning and understanding. Uh, and I want to suggest that we as Christians have a relationship to the Bible that is similar to the relationship the disciples have with Jesus. Okay? So Jesus... Um, wanders around for three years with his disciples, and they spend that time kind of soaking up everything he has to offer, right? And they start out thinking he's this great teacher, and oh, he can do miracles, and oh, he actually, you know, cares about women and children, and oh, and they just learn more and more and more about him. And every time they think they've got him, he peels back a layer and says, oh, you know, I'm the Messiah. I'm the kind of Messiah that dies to save people, right? Oh, you know, I'm going to die to save people. I'm going to come back to life. It just keeps peeling the layers back. And as the disciples spend that time with Jesus, they just get to know Him more and more. They sort of soak up more of His story. Uh, and I think that's how we are to be with the Bible, right? Recognizing that it's got all these layers to it. We have to invest a lifetime of study. It's not an issue of saying, hey, I got the secret decoder ring and now I can make sense of everything. Instead, it's saying, hey, I'm called to, to reflect and to study and to dig into this book because by doing so, I come to understand God's story and my place in it. Okay, so uh, this idea, really simple, uh, the Bible is like onions, right? The Bible is like ogres. The Bible has these layers we have to dig through. Uh, and that's what it means to be God's Word, right? That it's, it's the message God wants to speak to us about who God is and how we can know God and be in relationship with Him through Jesus. That's what God's Word is all about, right? So, uh, if our job as followers of Jesus, uh, at least part of our job, is to dig into the Bible, to get through those layers, to come to know God more and more and more, how do we do that? I want to suggest two really simple ideas that come out of our Scripture this morning that tell us how to do that. Uh, and the first comes out of Psalm 1. And I, I love this psalm. Uh, and it has a really simple idea. It says, Happy are those whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and on His law they meditate day and night. They meditate day and night. It's a really interesting idea. Uh, the, the, the word in Hebrew for meditate is Hagah. Everybody say Hagah. All right. Hagah doesn't mean to think about something. Hagah means to murmur or to mumble, or to whisper. So the instruction uh, that we get about God's Word is not just um, listen to someone else tell it to you. It's, it's, I want it in your mouth, right? I want you mumbling over it, or whispering over it, or talking about it all the time. Uh, by the way, this is a really common instruction in Scripture. We get this a lot of places. One famous one is in the first chapter of the book of Joshua, where God's speaking to Joshua about his job after Moses has gone. And he says, uh, Joshua, I want this book of the law to never depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night. And I think there's a huge difference 
between saying, hey, I'm going to meditate, I'm going to murmur, I'm going to whisper, I'm going to mumble, I'm going to speak the Word of God all the time, and saying, I'm going to hear it. One of those is really passive. One of those is really active. And I think part of the work that we do in sort of digging through the story of Scripture to come to know God better is we have to be really active in this process. We, we can't simply say, hey, um, I heard somebody else read the Bible to me once. Um, but we have to, it's almost like they're saying we have to chew on it, right? We have to keep it in our mouths. We have to wrestle with it. Uh, we have to memorize it. We have to read it out loud. We have to ask questions about it. We have to take notes. We have to go to others and say, hey, this is what I don't understand. Uh, we have to get our mouth to fit around it. It's, it's almost like uh, as we're chewing on it, it's almost like it's God's braces for us, right? That our mouths are trying to fit around God's Word in such a way that it, it changes how we speak and how we see the world, right? Uh, and, and I think this idea of an active engagement with God's Word is incredibly important. Um, G.K. Chesterton says, merely having an open mind is nothing. The object of opening the mind as of opening the mouth is to shut it again on something solid, I really like that, right? It's great to have an open mind, great to have an open mouth, but the goal is to shut it on something solid. Uh, and, and our goal is to engage the Word of God, right? To, to open our minds to it and then clamp down on it and learn everything we can from it. And we've got to be active. It's got to be in our life. So this looks really practical in some ways, right? It, it means um, that if I've never been in the Word of God, then it's great to be in church and to hear somebody read it to me. But that's not the goal. And um, if I've got my own Bible, that's really good, but it's not designed to be a paperweight. It's designed to be something that I am reading, right? And so I should be reading my Bible. And if I'm reading my Bible, that's great, but it's not just that I'm called to read it. It's called, I'm called to engage with it and ask questions. I don't understand what this means. This really bothers me when this happens. Uh, I'm going to go and ask somebody about what the heck is this about, right? And it's not just about asking questions, it's about acting on that Bible, right? As Amanda had our kids memorizing it, putting it in our hearts, um, when the Bible gets in our hearts, it changes who we are. And it changes how we act and how we live and what we do. Uh, and so the, the, the goal of, the, of um, the Christian life is to know God, and one of the critical ways we do that is by meditating, actively being involved in God's Word. Uh, and when we do that, it has an incredible potential to transform who we are. Uh, there's a famous story about um, the HMS Bounty, which was a, a British ship that was um, sent to, I think it was sent to the Indies, like the, the real Indies, to um, look for um, breadfruits or some kind of, some kind of flower and, and, and herb. And, and, and anyway, they, they mutinied. They never got there. They, they mutinied uh, on the way back from their destination. And um, the captain and about half the crew were got rid of, and the remaining mutineers sailed around looking for a port where they could stay. Um, one of those mutineers was a guy named John Adams. Um, this is not the John Adams who was our president, okay? This is 1790. Uh, and as they are um, looking for ports, um, they stop in a Tahitian port for a while, and a number of um, women and children and a few Tahitian men get on their ship, uh, and without warning, they cast off anchor. They kidnap them and take them with them. Uh, they finally make their way to uh, Pitcairn Island, which was sort of off the British maps. And there, these mutineers um, are just pretty much horrible, 
right? Uh, and they continue to drink themselves into a stupor as long as the alcohol lasts, and they commit murder and just horrible things until eventually, between their violence and their um, alcoholism and all of their bad choices, um, all of the Tahitian men and all of the original English mutineers have died uh, except for one guy named John Adams. And John Adams and... Um, this group of women and children that they had helped kidnapped are on this island. And one day he's going through all of the stuff they stole from the ship when they mutinied from. And in the bottom of a chest that belonged to the captain, he finds an old Bible. This is like 10 years after they've been on the island. Adam starts reading this Bible. Um, and over a period of weeks and months, it has a transformative impact upon him. Uh, and this man who was uh, a hardened criminal, a mutineer, and uh, a drunkard, and a murderer, gives his life to Jesus. On the middle of a forgotten island in the midst of the um, massive ocean, um, God finds this man through the story of Scripture, and he gives his life to Jesus. And then he begins to share the gospel with all of the children and the women on the island that he helped kidnap. And all of them eventually come to faith as well. Uh, and skip forward a couple hundred years to today, there's only about 50 people left on Pitcairn Island, um, but almost all of them are believers in Jesus Christ. Because one drunk mutineer murderer found a Bible and started reading it. And he, and he meditated on the Word. And so I want to suggest to you, that's our first responsibility. If we want to come to know God better and we want to know um, the story of Scripture, we have to engage with the Word and meditate on it and chew on it and wrestle with it uh, and not be passive in our relationship with Scripture, but active. Uh, so the first thing we have to do is meditate on the Word. The second thing we have to do is meditate on the Word. Uh, and this time I don't mean the Word like the Bible. Uh, I mean the Word like Jesus, right? Uh, as we, as we read through the Scriptures, it's overwhelmingly important that we recognize the, the point of the Bible is Jesus. And the way we know this is because Jesus tells, it, tells us it's the case. So in this passage in Luke 24, Jesus uh, is talking to the disciples um, who have thought, boy, everything fell apart. Right? They're thinking, hey, we thought this Jesus guy was going to be the Messiah, and, and then he died on a cross, and everything fell apart. And Jesus says, oh my gosh, how have you missed it? This is the main point of the whole Bible. Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into His glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, He interpreted to them the things about Himself and all the Scriptures. And later they say our hearts were burning within us, right, as he, as he spoke to us on the road. Jesus thinks that the whole Bible from Genesis chapter 1 on is about Him. It's about this story of a, a, a Savior who's going to come and suffer and die and be raised back to life so that we could have life through Him. And so if we're going to meditate on the Word, we have to meditate on the Word, right? We have to focus first on Jesus, 
On Wednesday nights, we've been um, talking about the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus as like a reveal, right? Like the end of a, a movie where all the mysteries are solved, or like a box top, right? And it's almost as though as we've been reading through the rest of the story of Scripture, um, we have all the puzzle pieces, but we're not sure how they fit together. And then Jesus shows up, and He's the box top, right? That makes sense of the puzzle, allows us to put everything together in a coherent whole. Uh, And so, as we are digging through Scripture, as we are reading on our own or reading together or asking questions or memorizing or trying to apply it in our life, we have to always be coming back and saying, hey, are we doing this in line with Jesus, right? If it's not in line with Jesus, we're doing it wrong. If it's not about Jesus, we're reading it wrong. If it's not pointing us to Jesus, then it's pointing us wrong. And when it is about Jesus, that's where the power comes. Uh, Many years ago, um, during the Soviet Union, uh, in a Moscow theater, there was a matinee idol whose name I'm going to get wrong. It's uh, Alexander Rostovzev. Rostovzev. Um, Rostovzev was involved in a communist, um, anti-Christian sort of sacrilegious play called Jesus in a Tuxedo. And uh, his role at the beginning of the play was he was to stand on stage and he was supposed to read a couple of verses out of the Beatitudes and then um, throw the Bible aside, rip off his robe and say, bring me my hat and tuxedo. And that was the beginning of the play. But it didn't work like that for him. Uh, Rostozev is on the stage at the beginning of the play and he reads the words, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And he begins to tremble. And instead of throwing the Bible aside, he just keeps reading from Matthew chapter 5. Uh, he ignores the coughs and the calls and the foot stomping and the attempts of everyone else to get his attention. He reads all the way through the end of the Beatitudes. Uh, and then finally, he recalls a vor- verse he learned in his childhood from a Russian Orthodox church. He says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And the Soviet Union uh, inspired Moscow theater freaks out and they drop the curtain on him, but not before he's given his life to Jesus on a stage in front of a huge crowd, expecting the gospel to be mocked. Because the power of the scripture was such that as he connected it to Jesus, it transformed his life. And so I think this is huge for us. We have to recognize that the Word of God um, acts on us. We don't just act on it, right? When we are actively engaged with the Bible, um, we discover that we are like trees planted by streams of water. We're standing still. It's the water that's moving, right? All we're trying to do is say, hey, I got to get close to the Word of God. I got to get close to the Word of God. And if I do, it works on me, right? The Word of God is living and active, sharper than a double-edged sword. It penetrates the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The, The Bible messes with us, right, and messes us up and makes us back into the women and men that God wants us to be if we will just meditate on it and meditate on Jesus. The impact of this is um, and can be pretty extraordinary. When we, when we fail to do this, um, when, we, when we fail to meditate on Jesus, we see we just kind of go back to the same destructive stuff that our world is so used to. But, but when we are willing and to be actively focused on Christ, amazing things begin to happen. 
Um, we are today um, going to hear a little message from Solanto, who's our uh, missionary in Haiti, runs Mission Starfish Haiti. If you're not familiar with that ministry, it is a, primarily a school uh, and also a church uh, and then a little bit of a medical clinic that they run for, we, we help them run in Haiti and Gonaives. And I'm sure you've heard that Haiti is just a disaster right now. Um, and um, we kind of watch the Facebook page and it's a day-by-day and week-by-week thing, whether it's even safe for the school to be open and the kids to come and hear um, the story of God, but also just, you know, math and science and arithmetic. Uh, and, and so every week or every day, we check the Facebook page and we'll hear, hey, they're open. Hey, they're closed. Um, and the stories are pretty incredible. I just want to um, read a couple um, comments that Solanto posted on his Facebook page. Uh, he's talked about um, the gangs uh, that are running through this, the country that are trying to keep schools shut down as a way to um, disenfranchise the government. Solanto said, Violent individuals are beating the children in our city because they were trying to get to school this morning. When these riders say stay home, they mean stay home. These kids are just wanting to learn. One of our teachers had a gun pulled on him this morning and had his gas taken from his motorcycle trying to get to school. Uh, Solanto showed videos of rioting in the streets, and it has been heartbreaking uh, and as I hear these stories, um, I come back to Psalm 1 and I think, um, these are those who follow the advice of the wicked and who take the path that sinners tread and who sit in the seat of scoffers. And there's a temptation for us when we see that kind of um, violence or evil or destruction in our world to respond in kind. They say, hey, if you're going to do that, we're going to come back and we're going to, you punch me, I'm going to punch you harder. You insult me, I'm going to insult you worse. Uh, you bother me, I'm going to bother you more. But we get a different message in Scripture, right? That we don't walk in those ways and sit in those ways and follow that advice. Uh, but our delight is in the law of the Lord and on His law we meditate day and night. Uh, and and I've heard these stories coming out of Haiti and Salanto uh, and his leaders are such an incredible example of what it means to, to respond differently because they are so deeply invested in the Word of God in their lives. Uh, so, uh, I got a couple of pictures. One of these is um, from three weeks ago, um, one of these times when the school was open. Salanto posted this on his Facebook page and he said, I am grateful for my local Haitian leaders who are determined to make a difference in their country. They get up every morning to prepare future leaders. They are difference makers. Uh, even though there is no school today due to fear of another attack, we will keep praising God and raising our flag in our hearts and mind each day. Friends, thank you for praying for Haiti and our students during these difficult times. And I just got one more picture of uh, some of their girls uh, who are adorable. Uh, and uh, I look at those faces and I think, you know, the people like Solanto and his teachers and the nurses and the principals um, who are engaged at risk of their own lives to try to share um, an education and a future and the gospel with these children are doing so because they have come to believe that the way we respond to brokenness in the world is not with more brokenness, um, but with the wholeness that we find in the story of Scripture and the story of Jesus. Uh, and, and the courage of those children and their teachers to keep every time they can, to keep showing up to school, even when they're being beaten in the streets and held up at gunpoint, is incredible to me. And I think, boy, that's the kind of church we want to be. 
We want to be a church that is so committed to meditating on the law of the Lord uh, and meditating on the story of Jesus that it, it deeply transforms who we are and we respond uh, to the world in a way that the world never could have expected before we first found Jesus, right? No longer do we come as mutineers and murderers and alcoholics and no longer do we come as uh, teachers and, and doctors and lawyers and engineers and no longer do we come as parents and kids. We come as daughters and sons of the King of Kings and we come with this incredible hope and message that there is a different way that Scripture points us to uh, that can not just change our lives but change the world. All of that starts with something as simple as meditating on the Word of God. So where are you today? And what's next for you uh, as you go through this journey of unpeeling the layers of the story of Jesus? Thanks be to God. Amen.